This week on The Book Drop, we share what we've been reading lately, ponder death, and imagine beloved video game characters made out of food. This is The Book Drop. Hello and welcome to The Book Drop, Omaha Public Library's podcast about books, our community, and the joy of reading. I'm Erin Tour, the Readers and Writers Librarian, and I am at our Benson branch. Hi, I'm Michelle Carlson, Book Club Librarian for OPL, and I work at the W. Clark Swanson branch. Hey, what's up? This is Anna Wilcoxon. I am downtown, and I am the Diversity and Inclusion Librarian for OPL. Um, SRP is happening now. It is here. June. It's upon us. It, yeah, ready or not, it is SRP time. So we have over 400 kids and teen programs happening in June and July. You can find all those details at omahalibrary.org. We also have a very cool program coming up that is for probably, I don't teens and adults, I would guess. Um, it's a virtual program on Thursday, June 22nd from five to six. And it is called Discovering Witches, the real records and manuscripts seen in movies, books, and TV shows, which no, it is not Erin's program, despite what our listeners might think, but I expect that she- I will be there. there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So witches are iconic figures in popular culture. They appear in some of your favorite silver screen and streaming media shows alongside archaic books and strange texts. So in this program- You will uncover the real records and printed resources that you see in your favorite TV shows, what the writers use as inspiration, and how to access historical resources for free from home. That sounds awesome. So whether you're a hardcore fan or an armchair historian, bring your curiosity and your questions to this program. What is a more fitting way to celebrate the summer solstice? I cannot really think of one. So that's Thursday, June 22nd at 5 o'clock. You can check our website for all the details on all of our events. I just want to say thank you sincerely to the genealogy department for bringing us this program. Uh, I love getting witchy stuff, not during spooky season. It's yeah, I'm I'm very here for it. Uh, So for our listeners, if you listened to our last podcast and you were like, hey, I told you my favorite (laughs) podcast and you didn't include it. Um, that would be my fault. I left town and I didn't give Anna and Michelle access to like some very important information, <laughs> which is where people tell us what their uh, their query of the week answer is. So um, my apologies. There were so many people who wanted to share like what their favorite podcast is that I we like had to make sure that you um, got to hear it. So we're going to give it to you up front and then you get another query at the end. So the question last week was, what's your favorite non-library related podcast? Um, and like 20 something of you shared it. So uh, <laughs> to start us off, Isabella says stuff you should know. Sierra says small town murder. Uh, Colby says ghost church, Jamie Loftus. I don't know what that is, but I'm intrigued. Um, Eric says probably a tie between bread and rosaries, a gone medieval and citations needed, which uh, very on brand for anyone who knows Eric. <laughs> uh, Angeline says Swish and Flick, which is a Harry Potter ca- podcast. And then A Court of Swish and Flick, which is A Court of Thorns and Roses podcast by the same host, which I love that. Um, yeah. And then Christine says No Such Thing as a Fish which is podcast from the writers of the British show QI, and it's absolutely fantastic. Amazing. <clears throat> uh, 
Molly says, ologies with Allie Ward. I just love this podcast. She interviews scientists and academic experts on all kinds of topics with a mixture of humor, wonder, and a healthy dose of curse words. She also produces more kid-friendly episodes called Schmologies. I love it. <laughs> I am obsessed. I'm, I can't wait That's to go so check cute. that one out. Yeah. Laura says they love the last podcast on the left. Tammy it says, away with words. Big fan. Also, haven't listened in a while, so I, I'm glad to hear somebody still is. <laughs> Tyler says Caso 63, which is an audio series. Oh, a Chilean audio series. Oh, uh, very he wrote good, it, Michelle. I believe in, <laughs> yeah, how you would say it in Spanish. <laughs> Spanish. Thank you. <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was Portuguese. I couldn't remember if Chile is like. That's, I think, just yeah, Brazil. It's just yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Okay. When you go to, okay. South America. Mm-hmm. Um, Modern Mrs. Darcy is recommended by Beth. It's still a book podcast, but not a library one. <laughs> um, Nicole says books unbound. It's a podcast hosted by two best friends and they have done very specific recommendations from listeners. Like what book do you think should be made into a black and white movie? Love that as a future query. Um, David said citations needed the best political media literacy podcast out there. It's one of the few projects to which I am a paying subscriber. Nice. Um, so many hot. And I also, I do love how you can get like such a glimpse of like who the person is. So very fun. Um, how did this get made is an anonymous person's favorite. Uh, Danielle says the penumbra podcast. Sarah's fave is Serial Season 1. Um, Amy has a few. Um, Heavyweight, How I Built This with Guy Raz, On Being with Krista Tippett, Radio Lab, The Splendid Table, and one uh, called Invisibilia, which is apparently uh, no longer in production. Um, Courtney likes Words Beyond Number. They also refresh podcasts for new episodes of Maintenance Phase, like it is their job. And Laura's pick is American Shadows. And one more anonymous recommendation for Pillow Talks. So thank you, everybody. That is an excellent list of podcast options. If you don't have a podcast to listen to, I hope you have something on this list. Uh, So today we are talking about what we've been reading. Um, So we just what we've been reading for the summer uh coming up so anna what are you starting us off with so confession is that i'm actually not done with this book yet i'm currently oh. reading it so uh it's a, yeah, it's I will, a like act like it's a present tense kind of right like what yes. yeah, we are currently I, reading. I am like actively reading uh, i this very day i was reading it more earlier accurate. on my lunch <laughs> just like hours ago i was reading this book um yeah, so uh, Forbidden Notebook by Alba de Cespedes. It came out actually initially in like kind of in a serialized format in 1950 and 1951. Uh, she's a Cuban-Italian woman, and she is actually kind of, she seems to be like the opposite of this protagonist in this book, which is really interesting. So um, Alba, the author, she was like an anti-fascist activist, a journalist, an author, and just like kind of a very, like she was on the radio in Italy at this time period, very like generally kind of public figure and outspoken, which was unusual to be a woman and do that at that time, sadly. Um, and on the other hand, uh, Valeria, who's the main character of this book, opens a book by saying, I was wrong to buy this notebook, very wrong. So just like, couldn't be more like um, repressed and unempowered. And maybe it, it might seem silly for like just the presence of like, 
blank notebook to cause anxiety in a person, but that's what she's, she's dealing with. So she's this devoted and disciplined mother of two adult children. Um, and she's in a, a safe, but pretty uninspiring marriage. She's trying to fit in a bit with like the economic class above them. They're not as wealthy as a lot of their um, social peers. And she has a lot of feelings about that. And she just, she's struck by like, like the, the note, the, the book is literally her like notebook. So she um, like the first entry is her describing like the turmoil she had just like buying it as like an act of like, she doesn't do anything for herself. Right. She's like one of those women who's like, I'm a mom, I'm a wife. That is the extent of my, you know, ability to engage with, with the world. So to do something that's like purely her own feels like subversive to her. And she's also very afraid to um, tell her children or her husband about the notebook because she thinks they would make fun of her or like just, they, you know, she speaks often in this journal about how like they don't think that she needs time for herself. So as she starts to write a little bit more, you see her behavior start to change a bit too. Like she, it helps her process the, like her, like what she really feels about her life. Like she has the time to sit down and reflect and like, think like, um, you know, what does it mean that I um, have to, that I'm spending, like telling my husband I'm spending more money on groceries than I am so that I can buy my daughter a nicer coat or like just um, interaction she has, like that she likes her job, like that she has a job is one unusual for her social group, but that she actually, like she really likes to work and she finds meaning in that. So it just gives her a space to deal with all of those feelings and then the expectations around what she should be doing, like, and by society's standards. So the story really seems to be just about like, just arriving at a strong sense of self and the power of, of writing and reflection and helping yourself find that voice and understand yourself and your place in the world. And it also does a good job of really dissecting um, like just domestic spaces and, I don't like it, it's making me think a lot about like caretaking and um I, like I'm I'm not a parent but like what those kind of dynamics might be. There was a quote about this book that I think was from oh gosh it was either from the New York Times or the LA Review of Books but I really liked it and it says it describes this book as the insidious inflammatory radically self-affirming potential of women's life writing. So if that appeals mm. to you you might want to pick this up. And this book it was like so like I said, it was initially like serialized in two parts in the 50s, but it just was published um, like as a whole, like just in the last couple of years or maybe in, even in the last year. Um, but that's Forbidden Notebook by Alba de Suspedes. Nice. Uh, I, my next one is a collection of novellas. Um, and I really feel like this year I've entered my audiobook era. I'm leaning into Michelle. Like there's just been a lot of yeah. audiobooks so far this year. Um, and one thing I found that I really like is finding like romance novellas. One, it's like a way for me to like test out an author. Like I, you know, I hate to put down a book sometimes. So it's like me to test it out and be like, okay, this like if you're listening to audiobook, it's like a two-hour story. It's like a simple commitment. Um, so, but I read, I listened to one of these and then I was like, I will find this whole series. So um, if you find this book in print, it's actually put together as one collection called Love and Other Flight Delays, um, but it's got three novellas in it. It's by Denise Williams. 
So if you've ever daydreamed of finding romance in the airports, or if you think the airport is terrible and you want like the fantasy of like the airport being a great place, uh, this would be a great collection for you. Um, so this brings together three connect interconnected novellas set in the terminal of like a single airport. Um, in the misconnection, Gia and Felix have one hot night together, uh, believing that they'll never see each other again, and then only to realize that they are professional rivals. Um, in the love connection, Ollie takes a chance on a f- cute frequent flyer after a meet cute involving a runaway pup from the in airport dog grooming spot that she owns. Uh, and, and then in the sweetest connection, two longtime friends try to solve the mystery of a long lost lo- love letter and explore taking the next steps in the relationship. So these are really character driven. They're upbeat. This is heartwarming. Um, I have my my quadrant of steamy to swoon and I put this in the like swoony, like cute steamy quadrant, which I think is the it's maybe like close to center in the top right quadrant. So like not super steamy, but there's some steam and not super swoony, but it's super like very heartwarming and sweet. Um, And I do love like either in novellas or just other authors that have like loosely connected stories. So you get to like dip in with characters that you've previously like known about. So you always, it's basically like, like waving hi to your friends when they come through the story, which I think is like a fun experience. Um, Denise Williams wrote uh, the fastest way to fall or yeah, fastest way to fall and how to fail at flirting. Um, But I also would highly recommend these three novellas. Uh, If you're into tropes, this collection gets you friends to lovers, opposites attract, and enemies to lovers. At a minimum, there might be a little bit more going on in there. Um, and if I'd put this kind of in the vein of like Emily Henry and Tessa Bailey, but not quite as, definitely not as steamy as Tessa Bailey, um, but kind of in that realm of like fun modern rom-coms set in an airport. Uh, and that is Love and Other Flight Delays by Denise Williams. Congratulations on your audiobook era. Thank you. Uh, I'm very excited. It's yeah. really improved my life and my reading. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, again, you just, not that you do, too, but the the royal you, of we all just need to get over any stigma that we have about yeah. audio reading as reading, because it is. I get yeah. to experience so many more books because so of it. So many more. So yeah. many more. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um. So actually the book that I just finished this morning myself also, <laughs> we're all just, I mean, I've read so many more that I haven't talked about yet on the podcast, but you know, they ha- they'll have their moment. That same Michelle. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yes. That's what it was. I'm saving them. Yes. Yes. Um. So uh, I read and I was so excited because uh, it's been on the TBR because um, it's from 2021 pick, but Girlhood by Melissa Phoebos, um, which, by the way, is a reading challenge option for your book about from OPL's top shelf list, because in 2021, our very own Anna nominated it for the top shelf. So, yay. So I was like, I wonder if it has been. And I went back on the list and there it was. So because it is very good. Um, And so uh, Melissa Phoebos is a pretty acclaimed author. She's won many awards for this work and some of her previous work also. So this is another collection of essays, but um, autobiographical essays, uh, talking more about her life um, and the bridge that she had in her own experiences between girlhood and womanhood. Um, And a lot of that having to deal with then the themes of sex and power, um, 
consent, um, sexual assault, um, and those, and you know, those dynamics. Um, and so she herself is kind of, uh, recounting some self-destructive behavior that she's previously had, um, and how that's led into a personal transformation, um, and how she is deprogramming herself in, um, from misogyny, if you will, um, and learning about the way that she has been kind of trained to please men um, and put them before herself. And so her insight into how to stop doing that and that she's not there to serve the male ego. Um, one of the things I really liked about her writing was the way that she kind of brought pop culture into it. She talks about um different classic literature, film, um, and other behavioral research. But like one of the times she's talking about the movie Easy A with Emma Stone um, and about, you know, how it was supposed to be kind of this empowering film, but then the way she dissects it. And I think all of us um, uh, here talking more Aaron, Anna, not the Royal listeners out there, but that like that kind of thing about like when we look back at pop culture and kind of, kind of analyze it in that way and talk about, why it was meaningful, but then also why it wasn't quite perfect and that kind of thing. Um, she also goes to cuddle parties um, as a way to also kind of learn about her connection with others and um, healthy touch, as they call it. Um, and it was just the whole, all these essays were very powerful, raw and provocative. And so um, it really reminded me a lot of my favorite Gia Tolentino. And so if you're a fan of, you know, the society and culture essays and those autobiographical ways that are very candid and thought provoking, then I would recommend checking out Girlhood by Melissa Phoebos. I really enjoyed it. I'm so glad you liked it. I, yeah. yeah, I think she's such a brilliant writer i've only i've read just one of her of her books but i really like that one too yeah it definitely made me want to pick up some others yeah. so awesome. yeah oh my gosh it's me again back to you um, okay <laughs> so this other book that i read it like kind of blew my mind i like really it was one of those books that i could not like i didn't want to go to work i didn't want to go to sleep because i just wanted to like stay up and read this book um it's called chain gang all stars by nana kwame ajay brenya and it's um hyper violent I will just lead with that so um if you have any sensitivity to that you will not want to read this book even though I think it's amazing but it is like pretty gory but it's also like incredibly thought-provoking very thoughtful also and it's also really suspenseful it's a near future dystopia that often feels like a little too like uncomfortably close to like actual possibilities so this is in this world uh we have an america that gives incarcerated people the option to join what's called the acronym is it's cape the acronym so and that stands for uh criminal action penal entertainment so think about that phrase penal entertainment and what horrors that might you know engender so um what this means is that if people that are um, imprisoned take this cape route they then will kind of fight like gladiator style like it's like a fight to the death um, and you work your way up to other people who are also in the, this cape program where 
if you kill enough people or basically to survive long enough, um, you earn your freedom. And there's only been one person to have accomplished this so far in the history of, of this program. Um, it, yeah, I just, there are so many, it's a super complex book, even though like kind of the story seems fairly simple, like, will this woman survive, you know, at the end, but, um, there's just so much other stuff going on. So, um, our, we have two kind of main characters. One of them is named Loretta Thurwar and she's like totally ascended through the ranks. She's like becoming, she's the leader of her chain. So like part of the way this structure works is that, uh, people they're kind of like, they have like kind of their own teams and some of them are contentious, like where they maybe will murder each other because they don't like the way someone looked at them. And some are very familial. And Loretta has cultivated a very like protective familial type of, of chain. And the other people that are in the chain are called links. And then people work up through these different ranks. And Loretta is almost at the very top rank, which is like grand colossal. And she's got just like a couple more matches left where she might earn her freedom. So she's famous because all of America is watching this like murder show, basically. And they also part of being in this CAPE program is that um, the competitors are like filmed and recorded. It's like reality TV. So even when they're not like fighting, their lives are like not really their own. They're always almost always being like watched or um, like just shared with with everybody. And people um, are absolutely like obsessed with with this the show this whole thing so uh many people love her i mean she is in prison for a reason she's not a perfect person and no one in this book is like it you know i, I yeah it's, it's very complex <laughs> so the characters seem like really human you know everyone makes mistakes obviously to different degrees but it just makes you just think so much about the concepts of like growth and change and like forgiveness and redemption and what like what does punishment do, you know, like what, or what's appropriate and what's like, just all those things are really like, they percolate in a really powerful way in this novel. So Loretta um, has someone in her chain that is also her lover. Her name is Hurricane Stacks, which is a pretty, I mean, that's not her real name, but that's like her like gladiator, I guess, name. Um, And she's also a really compelling character. And she's also a fan favorite because she's like newer to the Cape system than Loretta, but she's like very dynamic, uh, very also like, like kind of like a hippie in her own way where she's always talking about love, but then she'll go and like viciously murder, um, you know, whoever she needs to do to, to keep herself alive. It's like, you know, it's kill or be killed in these fights. So, um, and so right now Loretta and Hurricane are, part of the same chain, but um, there's a rumor that maybe new rules are coming for like the next season of the, the, um, the, I don't know what, like, it's not like a, sh- of the fighting, <laughs> I guess I will say that. So now they're part of the same chain, but it seems like some things might happen that might put their relationship under threat. And I just, yeah, I just, I couldn't wait to see what happened to these characters and it just, it, there's, a, I read a quote I really like for this book too that I want to share here just because I feel like it encapsulated everything that I felt when I was reading it. It's a, like a really a critique of the, of the American prison system's unholy alliance of systemic racism, unchecked capitalism, and mass incarceration. And that's this book. I mean, it felt to me kind of like, and I haven't, I 
don't know that I've read a lot of other things that I would categorize as this, but it feels to me kind of like like the great abolitionist novel in a way. Um, and whether or not, like whatever your politics are, um, I, I think you would still appreciate this book. And it just gives you so much to think about and just such, such like a vivid and disturbing world that like, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a train wreck you can't get away from. But the writing is also just like, really lyrical and descriptive and yeah, just a very striking book um, that I would love to hear what you think if anyone else decides to read it. Uh, it's called Chain Gang All-Stars by Nana Kwame Ajay Brenya. I have it at home right now. Ah, so I can't I'm wait to hear what you think. Very hoping I get to it before someone else yeah. reads it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those books that like when I saw it in the new books, I was like, oh, like the uh-huh. cover, the title, you're like, what? Yeah. It feels, even hearing you describe it, it feels very like a Black Mirror episode to me a little bit with the it's, technology and the like dystopian. It, <laughs> it felt so plausible, which is yeah, like totally. horrifying, like horrifying. And I also I did read this author put out a book of short stories several years ago called uh, Friday Black, which mm-hmm. I really liked. And I still there's a short story in that book. It's actually the title story that I still think about sometimes. And it's kind of it is like violence is a theme in his work, which is like, mm. you know, totally understandable Mm -hmm. um but that story i still remember and think about sometimes like it's about you know that that friday after thanksgiving where people are like losing their minds and competing for i don't know if it's still as bad as it used to be but um but yeah like the way he frames that story it's like this kind of blood sport competition for people to get like the best price on their jacket or tv you know like it's just like absurdist so um Also, that collection of short stories is really great, too. So Friday Black, also by the same author. Cool. My next one is nonfiction. Uh, It's called 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals by Oliver Berkman. So this is a somewhat like anti-self-help, self-help book, which is my favorite type of self-help book. Um, so 4,000 weeks is like, it's like a very gentle call to action to think about how we use our limited time and to accept the idea that we, we actually can't do it all. And the, the tools and tips and tricks and stuff that we use to be more efficient, um, actually probably make us busier and less happy, which speaks to me so deeply. Um, so 4,000 weeks in the title, uh, relates uh, is 80 years, which is the average American lifespan. And, I think he goes through like 80 or uh, 4,000 weeks and different numbers of time. And I think you're so used to like knowing how long a human might live. But when you look at it in different numbers, like weirdly, like 4,000 weeks actually sounds less to me than 80 years because you you have an idea of what 80 years is. But 4,000 also, I was like, oh, I'm I am if we live to 80, I am basically halfway. And you're like, I'm halfway. (laughs) Oh, no. Is that good or bad? Um, so I, it really, I mean, I think about this all the time, but like, when you think of it that way, it gave me space to think about why am I spending so much time doing this or that? Right. Um, and I will say that like, I feel a bit and kind of am like an efficiency aholic. And so is this author, like, I want to be the most efficient in everything I do. Um, one, cause I just can't, a bit in me can't stand being inefficient. Like I, 
was recently home and there's two different ways to get to my mom's house and my brother and my spouse take one way and I take another way and like the what I believe is the less efficient direct route and it like every time I'm just like why you guys why <laughs> but that's my whole life is like how can you make the fewest turns how can you get somewhere fastest how can I like streamline this process to the best that it can be. And that's not always like an anxiety kind of thing for me. I just truly feel like, why would I waste more time than I need to on certain things? So like, I want to clean everything up, but there's something to that. (laughs) Um, And really being more efficient doesn't necessarily make your life easier or better because you're just making space for more stuff. So like we get better communication tools, quote unquote, better. And what we do is we communicate more, like look at our email inboxes. It's, it's, it's just nonstop. Right. Um, He talks a lot about like the, I don't know if it's called like project zero, but like getting your email to zero is just like a punishing task. And like, it's why do it? Cause you're just gonna have to do it again. Like just acknowledge that like, we're not going to get to the bottom of everything. Um, But we've just like, as we've gotten better technology, we've gotten more efficient. We just expect people to be, more efficient and do more and um do we why are we living this way i guess is the question um and this he relates it to work a lot but it's also in your personal time too but i think about we spend so much time at work like how can we make our work culture and our work life better right so this is for fans of like jenny odell who wrote saving time um Adam Grant, who I read a lot, and he has a podcast where I feel like the tagline of the podcast is um, like work should suck less or like how to make work suck less. And he like really digs into like work culture. Um, But really just for anyone who like wants a very gentle nudge to be like, hey, it's okay to like slow down, like just slow down. (laughs) Like it's okay. Um, I do want to say the subtitle time management for mortals is such a great phase phrase. I just wish that would have been the title like 4,000 week is striking, but I was like time management for mortals is a great title. Why is that not the main title? Um, So this is very reflective. It's like philosophical, like thought provoking. And I would say there's like, you know, I feel like books that are about work this way, like there's like the faster better smarter kind of books and then there's these like gentle like hey modern life is really hard like take care of yourself kind of books and this falls into that second group so that is four thousand weeks time management for mortals by oliver berkman thanks for keeping us on task Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i felt that when you said that about the driving efficiency i was like oh that's that's where it hits me all the Mm -hmm. time it's like but i don't want to yeah. Yeah. I felt I don't want to take an extra turn if I don't have uh-huh. to. Like, yeah. uh, what's the straightest line? Yep. Um, so one of the other books that I picked up was recommended in our Friday reads, um, which is a thread that we have on our Slack, our internal communication flat- platform, where we talk about our coworkers get to share what they've been reading. And I wish I could remember who it was, but it was a while ago. And there was something about the book that really intrigued me. Um, and so I put it on my list and was finally able to get to it. And that is everyone in this room will someday be dead by Emily Austin could have been just that title. The cover is like, you know, uh, not actually decapitated, but you just can't see the person's head, but 
their body and they're holding a bunny. And I was, and I don't know, there was that, the, the talk about mental health and, and that kind of thing. So it made me really curious about the book. So, um, and I'm very glad I picked it up. So our main character, Gilda, is somewhere in her 20s. She is an atheist. She's a lesbian. And she cannot stop thinking about death. Um, she has a very big uh, anxiety uh, issue um, with everyday life. And again, uh, is constantly thinking about that everyone in this room will one day be dead. So like wherever she goes, like in that same way of Aaron's book of 40,000 weeks or for, yeah, 40,000 weeks that like time is not necessarily infinite as a human being. Um, and so just very, she's just very aware of that. And so she's constantly going to the ER and kind of catastrophizing and all these types of things. Um, not necessarily hypochondriac, but there's a little bit of, of that kind of behavior. So while at the ER, she sees a flyer offering mental health support. Um, and so she wants to, she's like, okay, I'm going to go do this and go to this place. And it's at a Catholic church. And while she is there, the pastor has come out and says, oh, are you here for the job position? And she's like, sure. Because one, her anxiety is not going <laughs> to allow her to tell, say, no, that's not why I'm here. Um, and two, she needs a job. <laughs> so, uh, cause she, unfortunately due to her other, her issues and such, she wasn't able to maintain her other, uh, employment. So, um, so she takes on this job as, uh, as an atheist and lesbian woman in a Catholic church. Um, and while she's, you know, onboarding and learning the job and that kind of thing, she learns that the previous secretary named Grace has died recently, and that's the job opening, and that Grace might have been murdered. And um, and so um, through this, uh, Gilda is learning about Grace's life. She's learning about the Catholic Church. She's uh, in a relationship with this woman, Eleanor, and she's learning about that. She has a very complicated and strained relationship with uh, her immediate family. And so it's a lot of that that uh, she's working through um, as she's going through uh, this stage of her life. Um, and so the author actually uses the seasons in the church calendar to identify these different stages in Gilda's journey. So moving from like an advent to Easter um, and, you know, and then we're also learning about Gilda's angst and her personal redemption. She's definitely a character that's growing. Um, she's pretty lovable um, throughout all of this. Um, and one of the things I really liked too was that like we're getting a really deep inside in Gilda's mind and how it works. Um, and so we're relating that experience of a person living with anxiety, but without it being um, like a in-your-face lesson about what this is, how hard it is, or like it's silly or anything like that. Um, it, it takes, it's, you know, it's necessary to the story. It's very part of who Gilda is and how she interacts with other people. There's also lots of other characters. Um, and it's just kind of this hilarious and relatable, um, sometimes exasperating, but really endearing, um, the story and how everyone connects with each other. So if you're looking for a book about um, confronting mortality uh, and also looking for a book about or featuring mental health for the reading challenge, uh, this was a really engaging read, very character driven. Um, and so, and, and darkly humorous. And I, 
yeah, it was really good. So everyone in this room will someday be dead by Emily Austin. I feel like there must there's something in the air. I don't know. I, I've not read a book about like mortality, but it's been on my mind a ton Ooh. lately. And I feel like so we've I don't know what it is, what's happening. Maybe there's something happening astrologically, or I don't know. Yeah. What, but like, yeah, why are we all like pondering the amount of time we have left? Yeah. On so many death books for you, Anna, if you want yeah, to read about death and mortality. <laughs> like it's one of my favorite things to read about. okay like not Um, in a sad way i just think like we don't talk about it and we don't people don't want to like think about it before it happens and i feel like i'm just from like a not even philosophical or like religious way i just feel like we don't deal with it enough and so i love like art and everything that just gets into it a little bit. I, I think we really like to pretend that it doesn't happen mm-hmm. in American culture, which is obviously ridiculous, but it just, yeah, maybe a future episode books about Oh death. my God, I would love it. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Uh, do we have any others we need to talk about? Okay, I won't go into a full book talk on this one. Yeah. But I have to give an honorable mention because... Um, I have a patron that I love chatting with all the time when she comes in and we're talking about books and we were talking, I, I somehow started talking about when I got obsessed with six and then the tutors and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And she was like, have you read the dead Queens club by Hannah Kappen? And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and so it, uh, it is this young adult novel that is inspired by Henry the eighth and his six wives. And so it's set in a high school Henry is like the king of the school. Um, and then the wives are his girlfriends. Um, and we're it's being told through uh Annie Mark, who is essentially Anna of Cleves. Um, and she's like Henry's best friend, and um, but Anne Anna Bolin has died in a mysterious accident. Um, and then his other girlfriend, Katie, uh <laughs> Katie Howard dies also in another type of like accident thing. Um, And so it's Annie's really just determined to find out what's happened to these dead Queens. Um, And so if you are not necessarily a fan, but like, if you know the story of the Henry eights wives or a little even about them, this was a kind of fun exploration of getting into that. It's very uh, teen. I will say in that angst filled thing. Um, but otherwise it's it's pretty funny and compelling um and so for the reading challenge it could be a book about or featuring friendship um because of the way that you know henry and annie's relationship and also um the queens themselves and 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 then in a weird way it's a book about or featuring a real person we can play on that if you needed to so but yeah that's the dead queens club by hannah cappen and it was really fun nice uh do we want to take a little walk down the street <laughs> where where are we going like to i still have to find the time that it was done really well and then we could just cut it in every time oh my but... god i love that go down the street <laughs> it, it definitely gave me the arthur theme song vibes you know mm-hmm. but anyways okay thank you um so i'm gonna go through these real quick because We've been kind of obsessed with the same books for a hot minute and then not reading at all and then reading all the same books all over again. It's very weird. Um, But 
we're we're in a Mario phase a little bit. Um, and so uh, there's Meet Mario by Malcolm Sheely, which is an early reader, and then Super Mario by Steve Fox, uh, which is a little golden book. And they're both um, essentially just stories about the Mario characters. They're not stories about. It's like a meet and greet of the Mario <laughs> characters. So it's like, meet Mario and then like a little biography about Mario and then the next page is Luigi and Peach and um everyone and so it was really fun and now McKinnon knows all the different um the villains names we're working right now on all the Koopalings and learning which one's which <laughs> but you know he knows what a Goomba is and so it's pretty great so uh his favorite I think would probably be the piranha plant but yeah um a book that was actually just recently returned to the Swanson branch and I was like my child would love this. And so I took it home and he did. And it's called Go Go Gorillas, A Romping Bedtime Tale by Patrick Wensick, illustrated by Nate Rag. And it is essentially that the gorillas um, at like a zoo or safari place, they're sleeping all during the day, but at the night they are up and partying. But uh, their tour guide, Jungle Jet, is trying to get them to sleep, but those gorillas just want to have fun. <laughs> And so that's real cute. Um, Shea Bob by Bob Shea, which I think is so funny. I don't know if that's why the book is called that, but it's genius. Shea Bob by Bob Shea. Get it? Okay. So it's a Golden Sower picture book nominee for uh, this coming year. Um, and it's about a lazy alligator who thinks that a way to get birds to come to uh, so that he can eat birds is that if he pretends to have a restaurant that he hosts on his very long snout. <laughs> And so, but then it's also, this would be a book about friendship because it turns out he actually likes all the birds and he wants to be their friend and he doesn't want to eat them. <laughs> it's really cute. Um, and then Time for Bed, Old House by Janet Costas Bates is illustrated by AJ, AG Ford. Uh, it's also a Golden Sower Picture Book nominee for the 23-24 school year. Um, and is about this child, Isaac, who is very excited to do a sleepover at his grandpop's house, but he's still a little nervous about being away from home for the first time. So his grandpop is taking him around the house, um, and it's this kind of nighttime bedtime routine of saying goodnight to all the parts of the house, uh, learning about what is making that creepy sound um, outside. You know, there's a dog barking or the flat, the way the house creaks and all that kind of stuff. And then grandpa being able to explain it to them and kind of creating this nice little bedtime routine. It was also very sweet, really um, classically illustrated, but kind of, yeah, I, I, just, I really like that one a lot. So it would be one of my votes for Golden Sower if I could vote. McKinnon has such excellent taste. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, they, yeah. truly. I pulled, yeah, I pulled actually that Shea Bob book this morning. It was on our pull list oh. and super random. But when you said meet Mario, like I wasn't looking at her outline and I was picturing like M-E-A-T. <laughs> Mario made of meat. This little, yeah, this little like <laughs> made out of like. Oh <laughs> steak and ground beef yeah like, i don't oh. know what he would be like oh a little, man like, man <laughs> i love it different children's book entirely totally yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe well, they had one for like the the movie premiere party like <laughs> a little meat a, like a little meat mario <laughs> And a cheese Luigi. And if not, what a oh my gosh, Michelle. Yeah. A cheesy, cheesy Luigi. Cheesy Luigi. 
brilliant amazing amazing we are yeah Uh, love it all right uh so our query this week is more for our listener responses because we already talked about what we're gonna read or what we're reading but we also might just drop what we're currently reading if we didn't already mention it so the query this week is what are you reading um and so anna do you have any other thing you want to talk about that you're reading uh, well, like I said, I'm still reading that other book I already spoke about, but I do have like I have a few days off of work starting tomorrow that I like cannot wait for, which is really kind of sad. But um, I have a stack of books, of course, that I need to get to. So I want to finish the book I am reading. But then I, up next is a book called Poverty by America by Matthew Desmond. He wrote a book called Evicted that was mm. super brilliant and um this book, I, I'm like, yeah, it's it's short, but I think it will be very impactful. And it's he uses history, research, and original reporting to kind of demonstrate how affluent Americans are knowingly and also unknowingly keep poor people poor. So I am looking forward to digging into that guy. Uh, what I'm not reading, because I think all the books I have in my queue, because I literally just finished Girlhood this morning. So then I switched to my podcast in between and before I dive into another book. Um, so right now in my ears outside of this is uh, an ep- the latest episode of Lost Culturistas, which they have um, Harvey Julian from um, What We Do in the Shadows nice. uh, as their guest this week. And it's just delightful. Um but yeah, I think, yeah, that's what I'm reading then. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, I just started a book called Hagitude, uh, Reimagining the Second Half of Life by Sharon Blackie. It was very, everything is related. Um, Sharon Blackie, she like writes and works like, uh, she's a psychologist and like, intersection of like neuroscience narrative mythology and celtic studies and i read a book of hers a few years ago called the enchanted life and it's it it's about like connecting to nature and it truly kind of set me on my witch um interest path um and i just really it's it's another just like gentle book and i also just love this title and this cover is like full of color and and you're like, and I, again, recently I just realized like I am like about at the second half starting line of my life. So it's time to start getting into my hag era, I guess. <laughs> it's like, um, she, I think get the most, into it. Yeah. I'm going to get into it. <laughs> uh, she is like looking at like that, like kind of, um, archetype throughout culture, but also just like talking about this, this part of life. Cause we don't talk about it a lot either. So that's what I'm reading. Uh, listener responses, you know, who you got? Yeah. So Mark is reading a book called Epidemic Empire by Anjuli Raza Kolb. David is reading a book called The Moon is a Harsh Mistress by Robert Heinlein. And Angela is reading Olga Dies Dreaming by Soshi Gonzalez. Uh, I also read Olga Dies Dreaming a while ago, and I really enjoyed that book. So I'm happy to talk to Angela about that later, too. Colby is reading Otessa Moshfag's McGlue, a filthy drunken novella with a protagonist as unreliable as they come. And Laura is reading Silver in the Bone by Alexandra Brecken. Uh, Sierra is reading Babel by R.F. Kong. And Laura is reading The Stonewall Riots by Archie Bongiovanni, uh, which is the author of Grease Bats and a Quick and Easy Guide to They Them Pronouns. Okay. 
Awesome. Thank you, everybody, for sharing what you're reading right now. If you want to know what library staff are reading basically all the time, we share this with each other every Friday um, on our internal Slack, and then we put it on list on our website. So if you go to the OPL website, kind of go just a little closer to the bottom, you will probably see uh, what we're reading list for staff, and that gets constantly updated if you want to know what library staff are reading right now. Uh, watch OPL social media on Fridays for our new episodes and to see your upcoming query. And you can always email us at the bookdrop at omahalibrary.org for any reason. And I feel like we have a long title list that will go up with this episode. So check out that if you missed anything we talked about. And that is our episode. Thanks for joining us on the book drop. The book drop is produced by Omaha Public Library. Our theme music is Trapped in Amber, courtesy of the Bay and Lucid Fugue. Don't forget to subscribe to the book drop on your favorite podcast app and like and follow Omaha Public Library on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time on the book drop. <laughs>